Well, good morning, church, on this Palm Sunday in 2020. It's good to be with you by virtual church. I do want to uh, call your attention to this. In the last three weeks, as you can imagine, our budget giving has been very low. So I want to pray for our church and pray that we'd be faithful stewards, that we would give out of a glad heart, knowing that the Lord loves a cheerful giver, knowing that we are to be people who are stewards of the resources God has given to us, and knowing that as we give, we undergird and support the ministry of this church and our community, and we support missionaries around the world. So we need to be faithful givers for that to go forward and for the name of Christ to be preached and held high. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, please. Lord, we thank you that as this hymn calls us to ponder anew what the Almighty can do if with his blood he befriends you. And you've done that. Lamb of God, by your work upon the cross, the eternal Christ, you have died as a substitute for the sins of your people. And we praise you. And we thank you that out of the abundance of your mercy and love and provision, you've blessed us. And I pray now that we would be good stewards of the multiple, manifold grace of God in our lives. That we would understand the joy of giving our tithes and our offerings and being people who live for that which is eternal. That we would be men and women who set our affections on the things above not on earthly things, for we have died now, and we're, our life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then we will appear with him in glory, and we thank you for that. So we prosper the work of this ministry and the missionaries and campus workers we support around the world, the local ministries. We ask that by your grace and for your glory, the gospel would go out. And during this time of crisis, and a cultural moment of anxiety and questions that, that the strong rock reality of Christ would be preached and proclaimed to the glory of your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning our passage will be in 1 Peter chapter 5. Hear the word of the Lord. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour Resist him, firm in your faith. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. This is the word of God. Anxiety is that sense of dread or feeling of uncertainty that comes into our spirit regarding a present day issue or the future. Anxiety is part of the fabric of living in a world that's less than perfect. I think the Bible underscores the fact that we will be people who experience waves of anxiety. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, 
Verse 23, it says that we groan inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption or our full redemption when Christ comes again. So, so there is a groaning process. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Peter says, casting present tense your anxieties upon him for he cares for you. That's why when I've talked about this issue, I've said we're going to address the issue of how to confront anxiety, not to conquer it. I don't think we ever conquer anxiety until we see Christ face to face in heaven because we live in a fallen world with sin and the worldly system and the devil and our junk that we have to deal with. So anxiety, and we have reasons for anxiety right now on this Palm Sunday in 2020. We've got the covid 19 issue going on. We have economic issues looking at us in the face in the weeks to come. We have this isolation where we're feeling more and more fragmented. Uh, there are reasons for anxiety. But the good news is the scripture says we have resources to combat our anxieties. We are called to be people of God. Last week, I said that one way we go against anxiety is that we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that in due time he may exalt you, says the scripture. So the mighty hand of God refers to God's deliverance by a mighty hand for his people, the Jews, out of Egypt. He says twice in Exodus, I delivered you with a mighty hand. He says it again twice in Deuteronomy and then in Daniel. So as Peter's referring back historically to the fact that God works in history, but then he says this, you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that in due season or at his proper time, he may lift you up out of your present situation. So God works in history and in your story. God is at work in your life. God is at work in carrying you along. And then this morning, this very simple verse with this attendant statements, casting all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Very simple. Um, casting. Here in the low country, we're familiar with casting the net. You, you cast your anxieties. This is an intentional act. You, you cast your anxieties upon him knowing that he cares for you. So I have two points, but I have a overarching statement. But let me give you my summary statement. My summary statement is that we combat anxiety in the present context by intentionally casting ourselves and our issues upon the Lord as we rehearse his precious promises and live upon those promises. And that secondly, we understand that we fight against an adversary who wants to drink us down. He's the accuser. Therefore, we are to resist him strong in our faith. So we cast as we rehearse the promises of God and we remember we fight an adversary. There's a parable called the parable of the sower. It is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's a parable about uh, four types of soils. And Christ says, a sower went out to sow and he cast the seed. And some seed was gobbled up by birds. Some seed sprung up, but the soil was very narrow and very shallow. And so it died quickly. Some seed grew quickly and it looked good, but it was choked. And then the fourth seed, the fourth soil is that which produces 
a bumper crop of 30, 60, or 100. But the, the, the third soil says this. In all three parables, it says that the deceitfulness of wealth and the cares for other things choke the word. And the word for cares can, is also the word anxiety, the same word. The anxieties of life can choke the word. So the, the, the reason we're dealing with this is that anxiety can choke the word of God in your life. It can choke the peace and the joy and the hope that the Holy Spirit brings to you because of the high priestly work of Jesus on the cross. It, it can choke the word. So an even more picturesque statement is made in, in Luke chapter 21, where Christ says this. He, he says to, he says, but, but, but watch yourselves. Be very careful. Watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life, there's the word anxiety, the cares of this life and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. Be very careful that you're not given over to a carousing lifestyle or substance abuse or the anxieties of life and the day of the Lord comes upon you, the day of your demise, the day when you give an account to God comes upon you suddenly like a trap because you're lulled into sleep. Now, I want you to think about this text. Um, I've talked to people many times in my life, and, and they'll say something like this. They'll say, I can't help it. I'm just a worrier. I, I, I just worry about things. That's who I am. I'm just a worrier. In this passage, Christ says with startling clarity that, that, that a life of carousing, a life of substance abuse or drunkenness, or a life where anxiety rules in our spirit will keep us deadened to the things of life and the eternity to come. So in, in this passage, he's saying that carousing, drunkenness, and worry limit the work of God in your life. So I've never heard anybody say, oh, I'm, I'm just a carouser. That's who I am. That's what I do. Or I'm, I'm just someone who gives, I get, I get drunk every other night. That's just who I do. That's what I do. But I've heard many people say, oh, man, I'm a worrier. And what I'm saying, I'm, I don't want to beat you up with this. But if, if you are overcome with anxiety, you need to repent and run to the Father. You need to take these words incredibly seriously as you plant your life in the things of God. See, if, if you are overcome with worry, then what you're saying, and I, this happens to me, so don't, what you're saying is, he's not the good shepherd. He can't shepherd this sheep, this lamb. You're, you're saying, in, in essence, I really don't believe that God is good. And in this whole issue of worry, there, there are various options. Uh, one option is that the world takes is to say, well, there's no order to creation. There's no order to life. Life has no real meaning. Everything is only the impersonal plus chance that that's the way we live. And so some people cope with that by what I call, or people call gallows humor. 
You, you make light of it, you kind of lap at it, you kind of go on with, um, because it's a nonsensical world. Woody Allen, the playwright and the actor is always good for a quote. And Woody Allen was raised in a Jewish home. He's a non-observant Jew and who claims to be an atheist, kind of, sort of, he says, if you can pin him down. But this is what he said a few years ago. He said, now more than at any time in history, mankind faces a crossroads. One path leads to despair and utter hopelessness, the other to total extinction. Let us pray that we have the wisdom to choose correctly. Uh, this is a Tempted at gallows humor. So another, another way to handle worry is just to be overwhelmed by it. Um, throughout history, there have been various people who said something like this. There's a man named Kierkegaard who wrote a book called Fear and Trembling. And in the book, he said this. He says, those who know the most are filled with the most dread. In other words, those who know the most are the ones who are most despondent and depressing and filled with anxiety. I'm going to say on the basis of the Word of God, there's another option. And here's the other option. The other option is to cast your anxieties upon the Lord, knowing and understanding that He cares for you. This week I was doing some research and I came across a, a YouTube submitted by a group of Hollywood celebrities. Some of them I recognize it. There was a group of 22 people who sang, uh, the person who started it was, was Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman. Uh, but it went from house to house as these stars uh, were in isolation and they sang a song a measure at a time and um, that they were very sincere. Part of their sincerity is they had that isolation look about them. They weren't, they looked pretty rough, like some of you probably do this morning as you look around this device. But they, they went from place to place. I mean, Gal Gadot and Natalie Portman and other people that I, some of them I recognized, uh, Linda Carter, Mark Ruffalo, anyway. But the song they sang was Imagine from 1971 by a guy named John Lennon. And when Lennon wrote that song in 1971, he said, this is an encapsulation of the Communist Manifesto. Lennon said, I'm, I'm not necessarily a communist, but this is a, a song about the fact that there is no eternity, there is no God, and there is no truth. It's a Communist Manifesto. And so they sang this song. Slate Magazine, a left of center magazine, reporting on this song last Friday said, a video of celebrities singing Imagine was so bad it can bring us all together in hatred, uh, which I thought was amusing. So th they were critiquing the, the music content. Obviously, some of the stars really couldn't sing. But I, I want to make a statement about the subject matter they chose. Here they are singing out this YouTube to their fans, and the song they chose to sing was Imagine. And here are some of the lyrics, Imagine There's No Heaven. It's easy if you try, no hell below us, above us only sky. And that stanza, Imagine There's No Country, It Isn't Hard to Do, Nothing to Kill or Die For, and No Religion To. Imagine all the people living for today, 
You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. And I, and I, 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 I thought about this, and I thought, here, here they are sending out a message to comfort their fans. And I, I admire their, their, these are bright people. I admire, I, I admire their, their desire to, to help. I really do. But I want to say, understand, from their worldview, this is as good as it gets. Nothing to live or die for. Imagine no heaven, there's love, it's only sky. Imagine there's no religion, imagine there's no truth. Go forward and be happy. I, I, that just doesn't work for me. And I, 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 I saw that and I really, I wanted to weep. And I go to this text where Peter says in, in, in verse 8 of chapter 5 of 1 Peter says, you be sober-minded and watchful. And I say, church, be sober-minded and watchful. In other words, think well and be observant, be sober-minded, be watchful, be self-controlled. And, and we resist, verse 9, we resist by rehearsing the great truths of the Scripture. And I was thinking about what, 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 what would I say if I had a YouTube video and I could go something like this. Uh, I was thinking about this last night. I woke up early this morning and for some reason Psalm 23 hit me, you know. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in the green pastures. He takes me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That works. I think of Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Man, that works. Or the words of Christ in John eleven twenty five: 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, will never die. Wow. Or what we'll celebrate this week, and every week really, but 1 Corinthians 15, based upon the resurrection of Jesus, Paul says, O grave, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Therefore be immovable, always abandoned in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is never, ever, ever in vain. See, those things work. So I resist by rehearsing, I, I, I cast my anxieties. And the only other time the word cast is used in the scripture is in Luke where it says on Palm Sunday, they cast their cloaks upon the donkey. See, a cast is something that's intentional. It's, it's not something you just kind of, you intentionally do it. So therefore you resist by rehearsing. You cast because he cares for you. I was thinking about the New City Catechism, a recent catechism, question one, what is your only comfort in life and death? Answer, my only comfort in life and death is that I am not my own, but I belong, both body and soul, in life and in death, to my God who is faithful and to the Lord Jesus Christ. Question number two, what is God? The answer here is, this is good stuff. New City Catechism, Google it, question two. 
God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal, infinite, and unchanging in his power and perfection, glory and goodness, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. That does it. You cast your anxieties. The second way we battle anxiety, according to this text, is that as we cast our anxieties, we realize that we have an adversary. It says here that be sober-minded and watchful. Your adversary, the word adversary means accuser. That's who the devil is. Our accuser, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So on one hand, you've got God who says, cast your anxieties upon me. I'm the good shepherd. And the other hand, you have the devil who prowls about like a roaring lion. John chapter 10, Jesus says, the, the, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So if I'm to, if I'm to fight anxiety, I've got to realize there is, a, there is a wicked force, a wicked power that wants to push me into despair, wants to push me into anxiety, wants me to question the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the kindness of God. That's why I love a little quote by John Calvin and the Institutes, where he says this, he says, I call piety that, 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 uh, that knowledge of God that is informed by a reverence for God and love for God, which the knowledge of his benefits induces. I love that. The knowledge of his benefits induces. Behold the greatness of the Lord and realize there's an adversary who wants to bring you down and draw you to the ground. There is a hymn by a woman named Eliza Hewitt. She was born in 1851 in Philadelphia. She died in 1920. Uh, as a young adult, she had an accident and she was bedridden for a number of months, a couple of years. And during that time, she came to know Christ in a deeper way. And out of that, she had a, an incredible desire to teach children and to also write poems and hymns. And, and she wrote this hymn, which I think is, is, is a marvelous hymn. She wrote this. My faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living one, his wounds for me shall plead. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Another stanza. Enough for me that Jesus died. This ends by fears and doubts. A sinful soul, I come to him. He'll never cast me out. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough. So when, when the devil accuses you and pushes you and says, you know, you can't trust the Lord. He's, he's, not, he's not good. You say, boy, he is good. And I see his goodness by the cross and by the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, well how about you? Your performance is not what it should be. You say, you're right. My performance stinks. The, the best moment of the best day of my life, I need the blood of Jesus. See, I, I, I'm not what I should be, but thanks be to God, the Lord sees me through the power and the reality of Christ. Therefore, I rejoice. I, I cast my anxieties upon him because he cares for me. In closing, I got two minutes. 
In closing, very quickly, three things, maybe four things. Number one, remember 131. Every day, seek God first. Make three phone calls a day, and every week, say a good word for Christ, either by text or in person, or do something in the name of Jesus for someone else, just as we do this. A couple more things as this isolation sets in. Number two, hear this. Spend as much time in the scripture and prayer and listening to good podcasts or reading good material, Christ-centered material, as you do watching the news and reading the news and reading the internet. You can be overly overwhelmed with, with this stuff. Be informed. I'm, I'm, I try to be informed. I read the Wall Street Journal every day, and I go to the internet a couple of times every day and look at stuff. But, but I want to be very careful that, that I don't give in to high anxiety because my living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has this. So be, be people of the book. And then the third thing is this. Make 1 Peter 5, 7 the theme of your week. When you're together, when you talk to people, Say, cast all your anxieties upon him, for he cares for you. And, and, and instead of saying him, say, upon the rock of ages, or upon the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, or upon the Holy Spirit who gives comfort and exalts the name of Jesus, or gives us fresh anointings, for he cares for you. Be people who run to the reality of Jesus. As we fight against the inevitable anxiety that will, that will come. So do that. Uh, Thank you for being with us today. Thank you to our worship team. who They come every week and they do social distancing things. You know that we're trying to be very careful. And, uh, but but they, they do so well. So thank you for that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. And we say as a group of believers in Jesus, we want to cast our anxieties upon the great lion of Judah who cares for us. We want to cast our concerns and our anxieties upon the, the rock and redeemer and refuge who cares for us. We want to cast our anxieties upon Abba, Father, who wondrously cares for us. We cast our anxieties upon the spirit of the living God who anoints us with fresh oil as he cares for us. God, we trust you. We thank you we have resources. We thank you that our only hope in life and death is that we are not our own, but we belong to you, our faithful God, and to the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that you are a God who is uh, who under, under, uh, sustains everything and everyone that you're unchanging your power and perfection and your glory and your goodness and your wisdom and your might and your truth. So we praise you this day. Give us fresh hope this day. Carry us along. Bless the people of God. Bless the leaders of this country and the countries of the world as we look at this crisis. And we trust you, though, Lord. We trust you in Jesus' name.